Hello all you lovely campers here at Spawn Camp. Welcome back for a romantic and steamy episode of Spawn Camp Podcast where we're going to discuss a lot of different relationship things. But before we get started, just to introduce you to the two camp counselors who are going to be taking care of you today, making sure no one slips you anything or that you've got all the different prophylactics that you can get your hands on. I am going to be your hosting camp counselor. I am Tony over in London, and I have a strong background in design and love to talk to my friends about the pretty things in life that make them happy. Joining me this week, my co-host is over in Mount Dora, Florida, if you want to say hello. Hi. Over on the set of the fire, I am Angel, and I have had a long relationship with making video games and also talking to my friends about what makes them happy to, to be doing in games? Is that what you, you'd be doing things <laughs> in games? <laughs> Before we get started, I wanted to thank people that have gone and recommended our show on different podcast platforms, as well as rated it. Rating and reviewing it is helpful. It is for the entire show, not singular episodes. So it's just a, a simple, straightforward, single rating. And also... As a follow-up to last week's recommendation roundup, I have an anti-recommendation. I tried to watch a movie tonight while I was making dinner called Stargirl on Disney+. Plus. It is a Disney film. I have had my fair share of Pixie Fairy Dream Girl movies where there is an inoffensive, bland, white male lead who happens to have happy things happen to him, and... I often find myself enjoying those because I myself am a white, bland, white man who has happy things happen to him. And it's nice to have some dreams that there will be a manic pixie fairy dream girl that maybe you could be romanced by. But this film takes it to a whole nother level of disgusting and just unbelievably unattainable of, you know, I love Garden State and the art of getting by and it's kind of a funny story, and all these films where this very mysterious girl who's quirky comes into a guy's life, and maybe they have a romance, maybe they don't. This movie, Stargirl, can go fuck itself. So, (laughs) anti-recommendation, everything about it is bad. All of the music is bad. The writing is bad. It is a bad interpretation of this character. It's the worst poster child for this I've ever seen. Do not subject yourself to this i only made it a third of the way through before i almost got cancer so don't watch this film i love this intro i'm having such a good time in happier news i would love to talk to you about actually romantic things so do you want to kick us off here buddy (laughs) yep i don't know how to follow that up Uh, okay okay so uh it was valentine's day uh, yesterday as of recording. And I wanted to talk about romance. And the first thing that came to mind, because all I ever think about is video games, but for some reason never play them, is romance in games. And I specifically wanted to talk about that because as we have very recently heard, sometimes other media has romance (laughs) and does it good or bad. But in games, I think they present a very unique design problem but also opportunity in that in games you are not watching protagonists have a romance. You are often the protagonist and being given, I guess the opportunity of a romance or asked to control or participate or otherwise direct a romance. Sometimes you just watch the romance. Um, 
But in a game, I think it's so interesting that a designer has to put the player in the position of like, hey, you're, uh, you know, forgetting your life, jumping into our digital world, and here is some polygons with a voice actress or actor, and we want you to like them a lot. <laughs> and here's your tools to do so. There's a bunch of games that do this. I could talk about this forever, so I'm going to try and, and narrow it. But I think I wanted to start with not Mass Effect. We will talk about Mass Effect and Witcher right after. But instead of diving straight into the deep end of the pool, I actually wanted to talk about a little anecdote, which was The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. So, Skyward Sword, if you haven't played, is... I, I guess it's kind of controversial in the Zelda world. Maybe it's been long enough that people like it, because that's usually what happens as the Zelda game comes out, and people don't like it, and then later they like it. But... I think this is one of the few ones that's universally hated. Yeah. Well, okay. Some people like it a lot. I like it a lot. <laughs> but I think out of all of them, as far as like consistent criticism, I guess it has received the most. In particular because of issues with, I don't know, open world and gameplay stuff. One thing I think it did very well... And it's not even a big goal of it, maybe. But I think the introduction of that game, when you are, uh, like, before your big adventure starts, you meet Zelda and your Link, and more than any other game where Zelda's in it, because sometimes she's, like, like a gothic, older princess, magical Zelda, like in uh, Twilight Princess or something, or she's, like, not there or aloof. Zelda's very much, like, a friend from childhood that is pretty implied that you have, like, feelings for. And they so subtly make you kind of like Zelda as a character. I, you don't even need to fall for her or whatever, but they do a very good job defining kind of, like, a relationship and you wanting to, I don't know, protect her or something before she gets, like, whisked away predictably for the rest of the they game. They give her... Do they give her personality traits that make her endearing in a way that's got at least a, a minimal amount of substance? Correct. And I think right. they do that a lot through, you know, humor and just things that they haven't done before in other games. And games sometimes struggle with. I think there was some sort of simplicity in it. And it just always sticks out in my mind as kind of a good example of the game is not about this, but it strengthens the game that they were able to do that through a storytelling point of view and a gameplay point of view, right? You're, you're literally a warrior fighting often to uh, protect her or find her. And it makes sense that they would make her a character that you like and try to do that and set up scenes and make her appealing in that way. I thought they did a very good job. Hey, just a, a small aside, I feel similarly for Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. It's one of the very few games and the, the Mario kind of lore. God, I hate that Mario has lore <laughs> um, that actually gives Princess Peach a personality and a consciousness and a will of her own. Um, and it makes Princess Peach very appealing in that one of her having opinions, having strength, having actual voice lines and, well, not like spoken ones, but actual dialogue and having her interact with the world and be able to make changes in it. It's like, you know, I don't necessarily see the pairing of her and Mario. They don't do much to strengthen that, but they kind of strengthen her as a believable person and to see where she has her values and stuff it's really refreshing in games which i guess is a super low bar that it's like they took this character that's romanceable or that should have some romance with the different protagonists and made them have an actual soul 
yeah i my my experience and my kind of thinking about this topic before we got started here the few minutes beforehand i was reminded with my introduction to kind of romance and games with web browser kind of flash games and the early days of dating sims on those where it's just static images of of girls that are have completely incorrect proportions and your goal as the player is to pick which ones that seem the most appealing in the most basic terms and the game kind of presents a selection of information for you to learn and memorize about them that will then come up later it's very much like simon says but with the promise of nudity i guess (laughs) and it's they they present you options of like remember this person's birthday it's this this person's favorite color is this and then in courting these fictional characters you can then um you know progress your relationship with them it is the most basic of trash garbage and um it's a little bit it's refreshing to see games have come far and that the relationships in them are expanded on a deeper level which we can talk about if you had a particular example in mind i you know i guess we can jump into mass effect now because i think there's a through line so those flash games i think a lot of people were have played them or were introduced to i guess the concept of gaming interactive romance through them and what i find so interesting is they were presented as this objective like set of goals and actions you take like you would grind and level it up the way games do and the way they objectified it and turn it into a transaction almost like you scored at least this much or spent this much time therefore you are rewarded the way games classically have been that's always been part of the i don't know original side of game mechanics and because of that how romance kind of made its way into interactive media and it has gotten so much better. I think it's interesting that you pointed out Mario and I pointed out Zelda, which were games with long, long histories. And the characters like Peach and Zelda were always, uh, I guess, supposed to be like the romance object or something in the game, like in the story. And it wasn't until later when they had way more grasp about creating interesting voiced and written characters in 3D or whatever that they finally got to make them more than just, like, uh, you know, a drawing in a manual or, like, an implied, like, final goal or object, and were able to turn them into real people, and then that made them interesting. And the reason I want to talk about Mass Effect, to me, it's almost... Or Bioware games in general, right? And other games that copied them. Or they copied. (laughs) I'm realizing there's, like, eight asterisks on this. But, you know, everyone knows Mass Effect Romance. It seems like a middle step. You have these games with with incredible stories, but at the end of the day, it's still an RPG. You still grind stuff. You still level stuff. They still had to make it mechanics. And it's interesting. When I talk about romance in Mass Effect, I love to compare it to other games like The Witcher. Because at its core, they're both 3D RPGs with choice. You're usually given choice in dialogue, you're, you're, you kind of figure out in Mass Effect if you're like, what, what was it, Paragon or Renegade, whatever, good or evil. In The Witcher, you often can make choices on Geralt's behalf, notably for romance in 3 between Triss, uh, Marigold, and Yennefer. 
I want to amend that because there's quite a few actual different romance options you can pursue, especially through the DLC as well. But the main triad is kind of you at the center of this this love triangle. But there's multiple other women as well. I don't think any of them are handled super tactfully, but they do allow you different options for like expressing dialogue and romance through various personalities. That's true. And Mass Effect does that as well but i like at its core when it's done at its best i guess in quotes uh the the mass effect romances are interesting to contrast with the witcher 3 ones to me because in mass effect your character is a blank slate you're supposed to put yourself into them and sure you're given choices that were pre-written but the idea is that any time you could just choose the evil option or the good option, and they didn't write your Commander Shepard. You're supposed to, you know, completely define your Commander Shepard, and that makes it really difficult for the writers to have a strong sense of romance, in my opinion. It puts everything on one character, which is the character you're romancing, and they can write as much as they can on that character, but to create a connection, what are they supposed to connect with? They can't, like, write some special, unique, you know, connection to your history or something, because who knows, right, what what you'd like your character to act like and for their history to be like. But in Witcher, what's so cool about that to contrast with, Geralt is a character. They, they know what Geralt's like as a person. So when you play the Witcher, you're not just playing any random you know, wizard fighter, you're playing Geralt. And they can say, okay, Geralt has all these awesome reasons to like Yennefer, all these awesome reasons to like Triss, all these awesome reasons to like these other characters. And we're letting you steer him. We're letting you make a difficult decision for him. And that way you are involved and you feel really immersed and you kind of, you know, their goal is to put you into the skin of Geralt. And they're able to do that with these romances in a way that leverages the fact that Geralt's a person. <laughs> but then you look at games like Fallout, uh, Mass Effect, of course, and uh, I guess the newer Assassin, uh, Assassin's Creed's games are a little bit like Bioware games now. These games all have blank slate characters that you're supposed to completely be able to customize, and then they throw these games that, to me, are a little bit like the 3D version of those Flash games. <laughs> There's just, like, a character that... If you do the right quests and you look it up online and you pick the right dialogue options, you are rewarded with like a 3D sex scene or something. And I feel like that's not far removed very much from those early kind of transactional romances of those Flash games. I want to double down and and fully agree with you on that. Like, <laughs> I want I want to reiterate your point because I think it's really important that even myself playing through Dragon Age here. <clears throat> I recently played through it, and it's also a Bioware game, and they they give you all these potential romance options, which you can put your own spin on through the reality that you're experiencing, and I'll get to that in a second, but the ultimate goal is, you know, which of these people do I want to, like me, the, per- the character that I'm playing, and which of them do I want to see their their character model naked basically um which which is super reductive i mean honestly like real real life 
lust to an extent is is that you know i want to see this other person without their clothes on is essentially a, a really reductive way to look at most romance but the real life implications that factor into the choices that you make in something like bioware can be very ambiguous playing with my wife she was very adamant against romancing one particular character because his voice actor is a terrible human being so the elements that factored into our decision there went far outside of the game. And also, the story progression and stuff that Bioware presents, there's one character that presents himself very gallantly. He's very much, you know, a knight in shining armor kind of guy. And through playing the game and experiencing his story, it's revealed that he's not everyone, he's not everything that he says he is. And his backstory comes out and it's pretty dicey and a little bit distasteful. And I looked up other people's reactions to that. And this game is very old. So these threads are multiple years old. But a lot of people were like, I was romancing him. And then I found these things out about him and I couldn't look him in the eye anymore, you know. Like they, playing through that blank slate character, their own moral compasses and stuff factored into their own character of being able to feel like they could actually romance this this character or not i thought that was interesting that is interesting i mean i assume since video games have been doing this for a long time where you do have a blank slate character and there's this like one-sided sort of romance they have turned it into a bit of an art form at this point and you do get to put a lot of good character writing on the (laughs) i hate saying the word object of the romance but i guess that is very fitting because they are as any game thing a goal but they do get to write cool character parts to them since they are just a one-sided kind of study of the character they often use that to be this very interesting deep kind of character dive you'll often get way more backstory and and arcs and stuff out of a romance plotline than you might from like a main game plotline or from a villain from a game just because you're sort of forced to write interest <laughs> into the romance character, because otherwise that romance is super, super boring. I have an amazing idea. Yeah. This will never happen. <laughs> I'm writing what it down. If, what if you could romance the main villain? Oh, shit. I was going to throw it out because you said it never happened, but now I want it. <laughs> I think that would be an amazing turn for actually giving player agency and choice. And the important thing to think about, like the the crux to all of this that's really difficult to tackle is because these characters that you're interacting with don't have their own agency, there's always this kind of icky feeling of them not being able to make that choice. There are certain options and stuff that you can do as characters and dialogue choices that will make them more or less likely to romance you or whatever, or there's certain games that are incredibly uninclusive that will just be like, this person will never like you because of the the gender or the the whatever you picked, that can be a little frustrating, but it can be a little gross to, you know, feel like if I do everything right, this character is going to have sex with me and there's nothing they can do about that. So it's a good point. It's interesting to kind of go into the romance options of any game and, you know, try to try to feel like you can push and pull in a way that feels organic. It can be frustrating if it's like, you know, some small thing that you do will make it so they don't like you. And that can be true in real life. You know, if I don't share my cookie with someone, perhaps they don't want to hang out with me anymore. 
And that's just what normal humans do. And I can't go online and read a guide and then they'll have to like me if I say the right things. That's oddly specific. Has that happened to you with a cookie? (laughs) No, I was just trying to think of something that was very harmless. (laughs) Um, Good point. But I, I get that vibe from games where it's like they don't, the characters that I'm interacting with don't have a choice. And the ones that are predestined as viable options or not feels weird too. Um, it's a kind of thirsty, kind of horny jail request of most um, <laughs> gamers that they, they request the, the game companies to be like, you know, make every possible NPC or whatever romanceable. Or which is not it. only... Un- what was that? Or they'll mod it into the game. Like, they've already modded right. the lesbian-only love interest in Cyberpunk to be a heterosexual love interest through mods. And there's... That's... I feel like that's progressive in a good way. It's an impossibility right now for the limitations that game design has, where it's like, even if in real life there's a wide range of people and backgrounds and lifestyles that you can, you know, align yourself to, in most games currently where there are romance options that exist, they're like, here's five that we want to present that you can then, you know, put time and effort into and maybe it'll be successful. An additional caveat to that, I find it really gross when companies allow you to, not companies, when developers allow the options to uh, progress multiple ones at the same time. And if you are going to do that, to be able to kind of address that with your partner in the game, I think that would be better than like, you could cheat on all your girlfriends in this game. It's like, that feels really gross. I don't, I don't like this. There's always great examples uh, that come up where... I want to say Witcher 3 had it, where if you do that, you get, like, a certain ending. And then uh, I want to say, like, Stardew Valley will do that. That's an interesting game, by the way, for romance. I wanted to bring that one up, because in particular, Stardew Valley, I think, feels a little bit... And I like this game, and I like the writing they do with the characters that you can romance. But you can definitely pursue multiple people. It's presented very identically to, like, a grind, the same way grinding other skills are. Like, you always have a... uh, a tab of your menu that's all your relationships and they're all like in like they're all a heart meter from like one where you start to 10 which is like the end so you and you advance them just by giving them gifts and they have certain point values and the gameplay immediately becomes you look online and you say okay these gifts give the most points for this character i want to romance and then you just work on it and there's even less like you can't even necessarily get conversation stuff wrong you might like miss an opportunity to get a lot of bonus hearts during it. One of their, you know, few cinematics is maybe the wrong word, like story moments, but you can totally just make up for it by giving them enough, you know, prismatic shards or whatever. I know that I, I didn't go to your brother's funeral, but here's a bunch of chocolate cake. Yeah, so, and it works and then they'll marry you because the game has to, right? Like the, the game is like, here's a game where you can do whatever you want. And set up your farm however you want and marry whoever you want. And it just, you can kind of get out of it what you want. If you want to, you know, imagine it as a more wholesome two-way, like you role-play it in your own head, you totally can. And the game can be very fulfilling and those relationships can be written in a way that you feel connected to those characters and it's really cool. And we are being a little reductive by saying like, you know, purely from a mechanical point of view, whatever, but... I think it's valid to point that out because some games don't do that, right? Um, I I feel like the Skyward Sword example I gave and like the Princess Peach 
at the start of this were good examples of that was not like mechanics in a video game they were just written in a way that made them appealing i think um like in a genuine sense like they were people and you liked them i think that's really interesting and difficult trying to put that into the game itself can be really really difficult some games have done it i wrote down on my list um firewatch is an incredible example uh delilah who you hear only through her voice in that game you can interpret her in a couple different ways and and how whether that's a romance or not because the game is pretty complicated but they make her a real person and and no matter how you interpret it or how the game goes it is like a relationship with a person and your responses feel so well written and genuine and that game does a fantastic job uh life is strange is a game i could talk a lot about because that game affected me a lot and i really loved that game and and the way it explored relationships and gave you freedom right like that that game let you um so in the first game it was you're playing as max chloe is your friend and you spent a lot of the game uh kind of centered max around is a teenage girl for for reference yes and uh that could be interpreted like you're able to kind of steer that as like a huge friendship or something even romantic and you're able to you know make those options but a lot of the interactions with her d- don't revolve around that and it's specifically written so you make choices and inhabit someone the same way you inhabit Geralt and those choices have that context and that story unravels and it's very emotional and, and well written and then uh, they did a prequel as well which does a very similar thing there's two girls that you can interpret either as a super amazing deep wholesome friendship or maybe romantic and i i guess the the through line is that these characters are fleshed out first <laughs> and then whether they're a romantic interest or not is kind of secondary and i feel like people find that appealing all the time like if you look at uh like fandom ships i think that's a super interesting place to see where people connect with romances because a lot of the time when a show has two characters that have some kind of chemistry or have some appeal to fans it's it, it's because of some kind of cute dynamic or humanization or sometimes tension like it's really like really often it'll be villains or or characters that oppose each other and then people online will latch on to the idea that maybe that could be a relationship and that can get weird sometimes <laughs> But um, it, it shows that people do want that stuff. And I don't know if it's just... Maybe it's how male-led writing is, not to get down that rabbit hole. But, you know, pr- predominantly men write these games and kind of aim it for what they would want to play. And a lot of the times you'll see women write games that I think have way more deep kind of emotional connection sometimes, generally, right? This is generalizing. I, I think there is a lot of desire for those kind of characters in all media, and games are now kind of coming around to it. We're we're not here to denounce the escapism of just wanting to, like, have games where people are really flat and shallow and you can just romance them. Like, I think there's something to be said for that as a form of escapism. Um, obviously, we're trying to point out more of the issues that can... Uh, revolve from that into the real world and how people might treat real life people as a video game romance also i'd love to encourage 
more himbo kind of games. <laughs> like if there can be games where you can just have a bunch of women in in bikinis playing volleyball and then romance, which one you like their hair color the most? It's like we should have a bunch of just jacked dudes that are nice and stupid and pretty <laughs> that you can romance because that sounds good. Like maybe some equilibrium there. I don't know. That's kind of removed from the point, but you know, having having um you know equal opportunity to romance more manic <laughs> pixie dream boys. Yes. Manic pixie dream boys, please. Those exist. By I the want. Way. There's. I saw a the, little video. <laughs> size zero zero jeans. I mean, honestly, um, Nick and Norris Infinite playlist. They're both kind of uh, manic pixie dream girl versions of each other. <laughs> That's true. Um, dream dream them's. Um, but. To, to close out the show, not currently, I'm just letting you know what's coming. I'm going to regale you all with Persona 5's issues, and it's something that I will probably touch on a lot over the course of my life, because I have a lot of feelings about that game that are negative, that I need to address to the world, because it has received so much critical acclaim, and people do not talk about the problems with it in a way that is substantial enough to matter. My perspective and... of the game, by the way, is you throughout your very lengthy playthrough just updating me like oh my god this is horrible or why did they do this and it's just great i i know it's going to be meaningful for the rest of your life unfortunately in the same way other great tragedies are and we really try to focus on positivity uh on on here but i think it's also very relevant for us to point out ways in which these mediums don't work and which this art kind of falls down and and we've already been talking about that so far in this episode of ways where romance is portrayed poorly in games or reductively in a way that's either unrealistic towards how it would be in real life, which obviously isn't always the goal of games. You know, it's important to have an unrealistic or, or you know, fantastical representation of something. Most fiction around romance is very fantastical and and unrealistic. But to have games that portrays it in a way that is humanized and makes you respect and enjoy other people's company rather than view them as a vetting machine you can put good deeds into and then get sex out of, I think that's a way that a lot of people view anyone they might be interested in. And it's incredibly troubling because it's like there is no loyalty card that you get enough stamps and someone will have to have sex with you it's a horrible way to look at the world and that's just not how humans work yeah <laughs> i always think of that morty card <laughs> have you ever seen that meme where it's morty from rick i think and morty. so from rick He's and morty holding, like the good deeds or women card or whatever yeah i my my experience and exposure to relationships and games so far has been relatively shallow uh, I think that's just a limitation in some ways of the aspects that they can write it because as it's different from books and movies, they're trying to put you into that person that is either being romanced or is trying to romance. It's different when you're watching a film and the outcome of whatever that relationship is already predetermined. It's more tricky when you have the opportunity through playing a game to kind of craft that and shape if it will be successful or not. And there are elements of those mechanics that will inherently be dehumanizing or reductive in ways that might not feel like that in other mediums because you're having a personal uh, investment in it, you know, where you might not pick this certain thing to say to someone you like, or you might not gift this certain thing. 
I will often find situations in games where I'm like, this is fucked up. I either do not like what this person is doing, or I don't like what my character is doing, and I wouldn't do it this way. Or you're just like, holy shit, man, you are so awkward. I I can't possibly imagine this person that I'm trying to romance being into this after this point. You know, I, I relive all of the trauma of my past embarrassments through the fact that I can't just get it right in these games, and I still can't. <laughs> Save states. <laughs> That's the yeah. difference. You can load this. Can I can I be a a save scummer in real life? If only. I do want to hear about Persona because I I cleared time for you. I want to hear it. I know you've been through it a lot, and I will never have the time to play it. But I know relationships are a part of the game, right? Like I've 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 heard that part of it is you romance characters and get endings. (laughs) Right. So everyone settle in. Okay. I promise I'm not going to talk too long. We're, we've been trying to do more compact episodes to make them more listenable. Um, hello to my parents. They are our most avid listeners. Um, and I appreciate them playing or, or making puzzles and, and listening us to, to a diatribe about random bullshit. But for context, Persona is a series that is called Shin Megami Tensei in Japan, I believe. And it's a spinoff of something else. But ultimately, the core conceit is usually you are one of a group of teenagers. The main character is usually a blank slate. He often does not have direct dialogue that is spoken or anything. You just kind of like pick an option and then the other characters react to it. Um, when they've done versions of it where there's like live action animatics or, or animated animatics, your character just doesn't talk and whatever you're saying is assumed. So you're just very much a, a mute character, like Jack, the original Jack and Daxter. I have a but rant against that, but not this episode. <laughs> I, yeah, I also have feelings about that. But the plot usually centers around some kind of mystery that is happening, usually around murder or multiple murders. And the thing that separates it from other stuff is it feels like it's two games in one. The daylight or daytime aspect of the game is you going through a very normal teenager in japan education life sim where your day is taken up a bit going to school learning things interacting with friends eating food washing clothes it can be a bit dry and the nighttime aspect of the game is usually taken up by these fantastical elements where you're diving into people's psyche and exploring these dungeons of demons and monsters and fighting them with these creatures that you have that are personas And those two things coexist in the same game. And we can argue about whether that's successful or not. It sounds appealing. (laughs) You're kind of selling it. I like that. Uh, Our friend that was on last week, Trey, has been going through it briefly. And he's been running into a lot of roadblocks I have. And he's like, I feel duped. The game said it was going to be a cool heist game. And so far, it's nothing but tutorials. And I was like, (laughs) welcome to the pain, my friend. Um I was receiving tutorials in Persona 5 up until the 60th, 70th hour. Oh, God. It is, it is insane. Um, but the romantic elements that I would like to touch on a little bit that are things that I think it's important for us to cover, because even though I dislike this word and its overuse, Persona 5 is problematic in a lot of very important ways. Um, one of the key things is 
at least, especially for Persona 5, because I have also played and beaten Persona 4, and I do not necessarily remember this being the case. You can romance people that are significantly older than you, and it's important to keep in mind mm. that your character who is a teenager is underage. So, all of those elements of these characters being written to not necessarily have choices in how they interact with you, the protagonist, because they're pre-programmed that way, it is deeply troubling that you can maintain these relationships as a 16 and 17 year old with your teacher, other adults in your life that are easily in their 30s or 40s or what have you. Weird choice um, to write. <laughs> in ways that obviously the stipulation is always imagine if the genders were reversed, it would be a problem, etc. And the important thing is it's always a problem and we need to address that this is always creepy and always weird. It does not matter if it's a man or a woman it's it's always wrong oh yeah um, it's a male protagonist right yes that definitely uh, probably be, adjusts things yeah it would be nice if you could pick either one um especially because all of the romantic options that they present because they present you a slew of relationships as far as um people that you can develop time and experience with as confidants but some of those confidants can turn romantic once you level up your relationship with them enough through deeds and <laughs> gifts, literally, um, all of all of the potential romance options you have in the game are female with your male protagonist, which is obviously a frustration for anyone that doesn't feel that one particular way. And I fully agree that it is frustrating, especially in the ways that the creators, which are Atlas Studio, I believe, is the developer. Yep. Um, go through the duality of being incredibly homophobic, which is kind of a cultural thing for the background that they have, I imagine. Not that it in any way justifies it, but there is a lot of weird, touchy, homophobic stuff in the game. But the duality of pursuing that, and then also having these incredibly deep, well-written male characters that you can develop these close confidant bonds to that feel romantic that aren't labeled as such and are very much steered away from that it's like yeah you guys are gonna have a sleepover and like get this close to kissing but you're not dating that's weird that's gay it's like guys just let you (laughs) let the let whoever you want if you're gonna make it so that you know these people are romanceable or you can get close to them go all the way atlas studios Please stop letting children have sex with adults in your games. <laughs> a PSA. <laughs> you know, and you can't even say, because this is sometimes a valid criticism, uh, you know, the, the main, what's the main character's name? Was it Joker? Is he, I guess you can name oh, him, right? Or Yeah. MC. Yeah, you can name him. MC. And then, yeah, his like, his like code name is Joker. So, so Joker, right? You play as him, and it's not even that you're asking Atlas to be forced to turn their straight character gay or something, where it's like not every game needs to have every character be, you know, flagrantly pansexual, whatever, so you can cater to every character. Sometimes you need to be able to write a guy who's straight. I get that. However, Joker says zero words in this game right? He, he is not Geralt. They, they didn't write a MC for you that has his own thoughts and, appeal, uh, and feelings in the same way where a fleshed out character would. This is from what I know about it, and I'm kind of also borrowing from 
silent protagonists in games in general. The idea I'll is... I'll let you know if you're, if you're off the point. I think that you're you. right on point. So in, in, in a case like that, where the, ca- the character is meant to be you and blank, I think there's absolutely no problem at all adding in a wider diversity of you know relationships to cater to the player, because that would have been one of the strengths of having a silent or customizable protagonist. The reason games like Mass Effect do it is you get to, you know, do the face lighters and change their skin color and their hair and their gender. You can do whatever you want. And one of the downsides of having a game like Geralt is that you're not going to play as a girl, right? If you're a a lesbian trying to find representation in The Witcher 3, you're going to be dismayed. But, you know, why can't this silent blank slate character in this Japanese RPG uh, be a bit wider? I don't know. Think about it. I forgot to mention... <laughs> Sorry, this this game has compounding levels of problems that that are frustrating to tackle, and I had forgotten because I have expunged a lot of it from oh, my no. mind to try to keep myself pure. We need like a rant episode for Persona Five. God, the amount of salt that I could unleash about the the things that I just do not like about this game. It's like a Yule log spit roast salt mine. Like yeah, welcome everyone. I hope you've got plenty of meat that needs some some preserving because i have just mountains of salt um it not only can you as your character who's underage romance incredibly older people but there is a romance option that's also significantly younger than you man they just had a a lot of people there's a there's a thing that is common in media surrounding romanceable people is is the the fandom will be like this is best girl or this person is best girl which is like the like fan favorite romanceable option and in persona 5 a lot of people feel best girl is this person that's like even younger than you are and it's it's just weird the whole thing's (laughs) fucking weird dude and i know that there's parts of that where it's like i don't have this deep connection to japanese culture and hey maybe i'm just coming at it with uh you know my own western biases or whatever but it's like i don't know why this game gets tens when it's so fucking weird about this stuff (laughs) don't be so weird about it and you can do pervy stuff in a game and have it be deep or interesting or expand characters and not just be fucking lewd this is basic shit (laughs) (laughs) i can i can hear the anger the frustration i agree right like I, I, I want to say, too, right? I know a lot of people really like Persona 5. And I haven't played it. And I've seen a lot about it. I know it got great reviews. It has to be for a reason, right? Like, th- people have to like it. And that's okay. That is valid. You can like the game. Um, and I think sometimes it's the media we most want to like that can most frustrate us. I'm not saying you also really want to like Persona 5 and you're a big fan. <laughs> I wanted to like it. I played and beat it because I wanted to see what everyone else saw in it, and I just could not. It, all of the things that that were bugging me or that are are deeply troubling about it, were shining through so much more. I was like, I can see the things you like, but this other stuff overshadows it a ton. It's like maybe Hitler was a great painter, but there's some other bad stuff, you know. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, see, you that's fair because you put in the full commitment. That's a, you know a personal critique and opinion and i i think it is completely valid to ask for 
these studios to like do better in these particular aspects because I think that benefits everyone. I think even the people who thought Persona 5 is a 10 out of 10, they could totally say, okay, for Persona 6, I would love to have less vending machine romances and deeper stuff. And yeah, I think everyone would agree a well-written story with maybe less weird age stuff would be more universally accepted. I I think it's perfectly valid to say, hey guys, um, this is weird and could be better. <laughs> and that those voices are out there. They, I, I feel like the studio also committed to making it weird because in a lot of ways they could have been more ambiguous about it of like, these are the different age ranges and not super explain it. But I feel like a lot of ways a lot of times they went out of their way to make it weird where they're like, Oh yeah, this is, this is pretty fucked up, right? Enjoy. And you're like, come on. <laughs> and I, I, I don't want to throw out the word cultural or whatever. I don't know much about that either, but I have seen a lot of stuff like that in Japanese media. And I wonder not so much that it's like a cultural thing that Atlas is like unintentionally like, you know, uh, indoctrinated to do or whatever. I think it's more, uh, and this is a problem with Japanese media in general, I think, to me. There's this sort of catering to the otaku. This is super relevant to romance stuff, by the way, because a lot of games are JRPGs, a lot of those like early dating sims, and I think to this day there's kind of dating sims similar to the ones you were talking about. Come from Can you Japan. define a little bit for for me what otaku is? Yeah, yeah. So So Japan needs to finance all this media. And in Japan, there are, you know, casual people who will walk into a store and buy a manga, which is like their comic book, graphic novel, or uh, anime, like their animated shows, video games. And they can do that casually. And it's like a pop culture thing. But in the same way, mobile games appeal to what are called whales. (laughs) Like a bunch of people might play a game, but they count on a few people to spend, you know, thousands of dollars on their game. Japan because it's so easy to like go online and download episodes of something or read scans of the uh, graphic novels, they often rely on people to buy merchandise and people who are very, very heavily into the culture of anime and, and games. And maybe there's some, you know, extra kind of wrinkle to the term, but I've always, uh, I, I think the term otaku is like a person who is, is very, very, in that ecosystem and the way they see it at least as designers and people creating this media is they sort of target those people and over time their interests become more niche and kind of more extreme and the idea is you need to have a game that that appeals to these hardcore fans that are kind of you know spiraling into this where you know there was maybe 10 years ago a video game that had some interesting kind of lewd relationships and kind of pervy stuff. But now I want a little more of that and they can engage those kind of fans and make media that they want. Because ultimately if, if you just keep everything vanilla and, and kind of uh, agreeable to a general audience, especially outside of Japan, oftentimes your game will do very well generally, but you won't get all of that, uh, like it might get lost if it if it doesn't if it isn't latched on to 
by, uh, you know, those really hardcore fans that are going to buy a ton of, you know, figurines and shirts and, and buy the limited edition, you know, box set, legendary, whatever. So the creators naturally start coming from that ecosystem. Like, like people who love that anime and are bought into it will then become creators themselves or they just from a creative point of view, like the, the people in charge are like, let's, let's make this a little edgier. Let's make this more like this other anime that did well. Let's have characters that are similar to these characters. And it sort of self propagates and creates this, uh, I guess, culture. It's a cycle. Yeah. It's a cycle. And I, I have to imagine some of those elements start to just worm their way into like tropes, right? Anytime you create anything, you have tropes. You have certain templates that you borrow from. And if media for a long time is catering towards lonelier guys who want a certain relationship escapism and want certain dynamics out of their female, you know, appealing characters, those tropes develop over years. And then you're making this new game in the 21st century and you need to create a character for your audiences. You're going to borrow from those tropes. And they become more and more ingrained over time. And even if the creators of Persona 5, for example, wanted perfectly normal, balanced, deep characters on their own regard, they're still, you know, made in the context of all this other media that does weird stuff and have weird tropes. And they're creating characters subconsciously or not from those templates. And it like leaks its way in. I feel like almost all anime I see has a couple of those facets. They'll have weird shower scenes and weird male gaze stuff. And it just seems very, very, very made by uh, men who come from those, like, who who grew up watching, you know, kind of weird, tropey, lewd anime and making it themselves. And for those kind of people. Because they're, you know, they pay a lot and they're the ones who are involved and they're the ones who go on the forums and complain deeply if a certain female character that they think is really cute isn't romanceable. So it can be difficult. I, that's my long-winded explanation, right? I'm trying to like defend it, I guess. Not, not defend it as much as like explain it in my own head because I don't, I don't want to reduce it just to like, yeah, the Persona 5 creators are creeps. I, I think it is more complicated than that. It doesn't exist in a vacuum, and you're trying to flesh out the texture of that vacuum that we might not under... Not, not that vacuum. The texture of the environment that that exists in that we might not have purview to or, you know, full understanding of. And exactly. I try to be as aware of that as I can be. Um, when it comes to... And I guess this is bringing it back around. When it comes to any romance options in any game or any media where it's like, you know, maybe this kind of personality type isn't one that I'd be into, but that's why the creators include it. I think it's just, you know, have to be within reason for some, from some aspects of like, you know, what is reasonable? Because <laughs> <laughs> vanilla is fine. There's nothing wrong with vanilla romance. And also there's nothing wrong with like really interesting, different varieties of that. Obviously one of the appeals of the Bioware series is you can fuck a lot of different aliens and that's appealing to people. And those aliens are not all humanoid. They're kind of, there's a lot of funky body shapes. There's a lot of funky stuff to think about. But it's pretty cool that the creators can be like, if you want to do, you know, freaky stuff with aliens, that's all right. But it's when developers start to get a little wishy-washy on the lines between 
what is the age of consent? What is consent? And you're like, I don't know if I should be playing a rape simulator. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and um, just just to continue the plea, I think the best romances, for me at least, right? Maybe I am a romantic or a poet. <laughs> I'm not. But I think when it comes to media, I like good writing in depth and stuff. I, I think... From a creative point of view, if someone is creating a character that is a romance interest in the game, I think it is always more successful if it is an earnest attempt to write a good character for the sake of you know, writing a good character. Like the character's in your head, you think it would play well into the story or into the character, into the dynamic with the you know protagonist or something, versus writing a, a romance option to check off a box, right? Where, and I see this a lot in Japanese games, I was playing Fire Emblem, Three Houses. And because they have so many characters and you can romance so many of them and pair them off and stuff, it's like a really, it's horny chess. They, <laughs> they have to check off every box and it starts to make them bland to me. Where it's like, oh, this is the clearly, you know, the shy nerdy girl that needs to be brought out of her shell. Like, how many times am I going to see that? Oh, this is the you know, the aloof character. This is the jock who, you know, is is overly uh, extroverted. Here's the, you know, the character who's like stone and mysterious and you have to soften them up, right? Those tropes are interesting if they're explored, but they're not interesting to me if they are uh, compulsory. If, if like the, the creator had to include them all, or at least some of them, because felt they needed to and they're just checking off boxes i think that's never fun it makes the romantic options that you as a player have lack a lot of depth and interest as you would for a normal human if we encountered people in real life that were so easily pigeonholeable i don't know if that's a verb it is now that we could so <laughs> easily pigeonhole that we're really just 2d caricatures Obviously, it would be really difficult to find a lot to get into, unless that's what you're looking for. You know, there's plenty of room in life to be like, you know, I want someone who looks exactly, or who is exactly who they look like, and that's all I want from them. And that's fine, you know? It's frustrating in media if that's all you have access to, is like what you were saying, you know, this is a shy person, this is a stone person. You want to be able to love people that are real, and have not just... Like, they can't be infallible. They need to be flawed in ways that are realistic. And it's more successful when people write not characters they want to love, but reference people they already love. Because people they already love are real humans and will probably have flaws that bother them. Whether they chew with yeah. their mouth open or <laughs> things that you can't fix or that are things that you just have to live with that's what it's yeah. about and there's so much potential it, in a game to put someone in the shoes of that instead of just like watching that as a third party and i i just want to see that explored yeah and especially in ways that aren't super simplistic like this romance option has a backstory where they killed a bunch of kids and you're like <laughs> i'm still into them they got big triceps they had i want to i want to smack those buns you know <laughs> Okay, I have one final. I know we're running on time. I have one one final one, and it's going to be out of left field, but I think it's a good one. 
God of War, the new one. Not, <laughs> not in a romantic sense, but in a sense of creating love in a relationship, I think they explored the father-son dynamic in that game. And how you felt as a father playing Kratos and your son Atreus and watching that develop through the game. I think anyone could uh, appreciate the depth of the way the game handled that relationship. And I asked those people who maybe don't like, like appreciated that, but maybe don't see that in a romance setting as a goal, just how satisfying it, it could be and how interesting it could be to put uh, a romantic relationship or any relationship, right? Parents, uh, siblings, you, you can do so much throughout the course of a, you know, a long playtime with interaction and, and, and uh, actions that have impact and tell a lot of stories and make really cool relationships. I, I, the fact those examples exist in these awesome masterpiece games means that they could happen, right? You can, they exist. You, you can do it. It's not impossible. Uh, if, if anyone's like, well, it's a video game, right? You're leveling up. You're, you're never going to have perfectly realistic, you know, simulation of holding swords. Not every game needs to be a simulation. Not every relationship needs to be uh, 100% realistic. I agree. But they can be <laughs> sometimes. And it can be incredibly rewarding when they are. So I, I love the example of God of War because once a story does that good of a job, it's awesome to see the bar raised. And then every game after, it's like, you know, God of War made me really feel like I loved my son. <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> so why can't this game make me feel like I have a romantic relationship with this character that doesn't exist? There's absolutely. There's a games journalist that I follow that played God of War when it came out around 2018. And he was like, this game is exceptional. It is a masterpiece and people should play it. And he replayed it last year after the birth of his son. And he's like, I cried almost the whole time. <laughs> my, I still think this game is incredible and it's in an attendant and people should play it. But my perspective on the relationships in it has fundamentally shifted in ways that are so deep and so meaningful to them. And yeah, I, I think it would be really cool to see that space explored more because it is difficult. And we're not saying that all those spaces should be fundamental to games but that that niche has been carved out so little, if at all, that it would be really nice to see games and other media explore relationships and romance to a much deeper extent and allow the special agency that games give you to explore and develop relationships in a more realistic or wholesome way. Relationships, romances, friendships, familial bonds, those kind of ties. They're really similar to... That's something not everyone gets right, is that I, I think when people like an on-screen relationship or, or something in a book or a show or a game, it, it's it's the bonds that are just platonic and wholesome and just chemistry between characters that I think grip people the most. Like often, like if two characters are just like friendly in a fun way, that'll generate the most uh, like shippers, like people who uh, write fan, you know, uh, fan content that says that those characters it'd be fun if they were in a relationship even if they're not at all because 
the same stuff that makes writing friends or brothers good in a show or, or something media also makes for good relationships and people sometimes separate them right it's like how is this romantically appealing versus how is this friendship appealing like you were saying the the male relationships in persona 5 are sometimes really interesting and deep and they they can absolutely feel romantic. apply that way fewer what <laughs> Well, they, they are deep friendships and they feel romantic to extents oh, and that true. you aren't allowed to explore them in that way. Exactly. And I mean, it's a bond, right? It's two characters getting closer and you feeling like that's genuine. The, it, 90% of the formula is uh, earnesty. And then if you want it to be romantic or whatever, the rest is like you know, sexual appeal or whatever you want to do to make it go in that direction. I think I have the idea that I want to wrap up on and, and I can pose it to our listeners as well to get their feedback and maybe you can give me a brief answer, but Perfect. I I feel this is a, a core belief of mine is that it frustrates me that one of the only ways we can express, through English at least, this kind of deep bond is with a four-letter word that I can use for literally anything. And it will mean a different thing for every one of those applications. I can love my wife. I can love my dog. I can love my hobby. I can love my bike. I can love all of these things, but that kind of love is very different. So I guess a question to listeners and to you as well, Angel, what is love to you? And what defines that in a more deep sense than just what a four-letter word can deliver? Oh, boy. That's such a deep question. You're like, all right, three words. Um, I I think it's about caring for something or someone. I I think it's it's about uh, concern, in the sense that there you have an an emotional stake in any of their outcomes, right? Like you love your bike because you don't want it stolen because it matters to you because you have like there is an emotional investment and care. So, and that can take a while to build up, which is why I think it's so difficult sometimes to write for games. But if you can build up that investment, that's where it's like a genuine love, regardless of, you know, if it's romantic or not. So game developers, please let us romance our modes of transport. I want a game where I can fuck a boat and I will take nothing less I love Roach. Uh, it's already happened. Um, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you for joining me this week on this romantic, albeit a little bit long-winded, as romance often is, episode of, of Spawn Camp Podcast. And uh, before we finish up, just to let everyone, or remind everyone, if you would be so kind to find us on whatever podcast listening app that you're using and potentially give us a rate or review it helps other people know that we're not a phishing scam and that we're a real podcast and that we're worth listening to i promise and if you don't feel that way that's fine please don't give us a bad review um yeah instead just comment or actually email us your social security number first and last name Perfect. Well, if, if you'd like, you can also email us at spawncamppodcast at gmail.com for questions, concerns, recommendations. We would love to hear from you, and we will check it and potentially share that on the podcast. 
if people wanted to reach out and get in touch with you, Angel, where could they do that? They can reach me at Angel Game Dev on Twitter. My my one little island. <laughs> I will be tagging you in the show notes and on Twitter when I inevitably share this. And I am similarly. You can find me at Tony Ray UK on Twitter, Instagram, most places, and. Thank you so much. I've been saying and, and, but, and a lot of things a lot. But overall, additionally, thank you all for listening and joining us. And hope that you had a wonderful, lovely, heartfelt, passionate Valentine's, Galentine's, Palentine's, whatever it was for you. But it has to end in the word tines, like in the syllable. Teeny tines. Tines, yeah. (laughs) We hope you all have a wonderful week, and uh, we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.